0: If you've got a core expertise, whether it's raising capital, whatever your core genius is, there are people out there for whom that skill set is extremely valuable. And if you can figure out who that ideal client is, then simply serve that ideal client. And, you know, when I started coaching and when I started helping people in business, I was aiming way too broadly. uh, And it was only when I narrowed down and focused on who my ideal client was that I actually you know, identified the real recipe for success.
1: You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer.
2: Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Baloo And I'm your other co-host, Michael Palmer. And Michael, today we have as our guest, a friend of mine, uh, a man that actually is a friend of both of ours. Yeah, a client of mine, a client of both of ours. Truly a man who has taken the innate genius that he has and turned it into thought leadership and commercial success. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Victor Minash. Welcome to the podcast, Victor. Great to to be here. Great to have you, my friend. Victor, you know the drill. The name of this podcast is The Business of Thought Leadership. If you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to this podcast because you want to know what Victor can tell you about how you can be more successful in growing your business. And Victor... How did you get to be this incredible thought leader in the arena of raising capital, in particular, raising capital for investing in real estate? Our listener wants to know. Tell us your
0: story. Well, it certainly wasn't a traditional path to that skill set. I started my career early on as a microprocessor designer. I started out in the high tech industry and you know i rose th- rose through the ranks of various high tech companies uh, progressively senior management roles but then i got involved in business development and mergers and acquisitions and it was at that time you know we took one t- one company public in 1999 it was at that time that i really got exposed to the world of raising capital primarily in the world of technology ventures, which is one of the most difficult things to do. You know, if you're buying an existing business, then you have a, an existing revenue stream to point to. But often in technology, all you have is an idea and you're selling people on the idea of putting millions of dollars of of, uh, of capital into, a, into an idea that may or may not work. So that's a very difficult thing to do. And I learned how to do that at that time. Then when I transitioned out of the world of, real, of, uh, of technology into the world of real estate investing, I realized once I ran out of my own capital that I had this other skill set that I hadn't been using for a little while and just needed to reapply it in a different setting and discovered that it was essentially the same skill set and exactly the same process. Victor, how much capital have you raised in your career? Overall, between technology and real estate, uh, about $300 million. 300 million. That's just a nice tiny number, right? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So if someone's listening to this podcast and thinking to themselves, okay, so Victor's cool, he built this this thought leadership, but what can I do? I mean, what would your advice be to that listener? What can they do to draw out their own innate genius to make it possible for them to
0: commercialize it the way you've done it? Well, I guess the first thing, I, I see two, two extremes. I see people who don't have a skill, but they like to speak on stage, and they like to be a megaphone, and they say, well, I'm going to be a speaker, I'm going to be a coach, I'm going to be a consultant, but they don't have the expertise. And so you obviously, you don't want to be that person. And then the other end of the spectrum, you have those people that have tremendous, deep expertise, but they're very introverted, very shy about putting themselves out there. And and I think the the healthy balance is to find that balance point in the middle, where if you've got a core expertise, whether it's raising capital, whatever your core genius is, there are people out there for whom that skill set is extremely valuable. And if you can figure out who that ideal client is, then simply serve that ideal client. And you know, when I started coaching and when I started helping people in business, I was aiming way too broadly. Uh, and it was only when I narrowed down and focused on, who my ideal client was that I actually you know identified the real recipe for success.
1: You know, Victor, this is uh, I think the way you've said it is just absolutely clear and concise the fact that you're one of those people that had this innate expertise and you've now leveraged that in a way that's had your business expand. Now, I'm really interested to know how you've used thought leadership in raising the capital that you have inside of your real estate investment business?
0: One of the things I learned, um, I, I took a course from a gentleman named Steve Harrison, and Steve Harrison has put so many authors and thought leaders on the map. I'm talking about people like Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield from the Chicken Soup series. I'm talking about Robert Kiyosaki, and he taught them publicity, and he's done it for thousands of people. Uh, He's a real expert in this area. And uh, so I took some uh, publicity training from him and really learned the process, recognized that, you know, some people focus on marketing, some people focus on advertising. But when you get someone else to say, wow, this person is really great, that's a much more powerful. It creates a, a bit of social proof. It's much more powerful than saying, look how great I am. And, and so I got onto radio shows. I got into articles, into magazines and various other periodicals. And it was through that process that I started to gain some, um, some visibility in the marketplace. And then most importantly, I wrote a book. Uh, my first book was a book called The Great Canadian Takeover, really focused on how Canadians can invest successfully in U.S. real estate. And then, uh, and then my second book called Magnetic Capital, which is really how to raise the money uh for any worthy venture as much money as you need for any worthy venture if you follow the process in magnetic capital you'll be successful uh and it was through the process of learning it i recognized a pattern so i simply wrote it down and and now i'm recognized as an expert in the area because when people read the book they say wow victor that's so clear it's so simple Uh, and it makes so much sense
1: yeah it's, it's remarkable as well just to watch you over the last uh, year and a little bit, watching you expand upon your own reach. You, you, what I consider you to be, you've mentioned one person that was an educator and that taught you a lot about publicity you're constantly trying new things. And I've seen you do this with your YouTube productions. You're doing a one minute segment every single day. And you're always asking your community for tips on how to, how to improve it, how to get better at it. I consider you to be a a person who's always looking to be the master, to be preeminent in your field. Can you share a little bit about that, what that journey has been like for you?
0: You know, Darren Hardy wrote about
1: it in his book, The Compound
0: Effect. Um, Many people have written about it. If you practice anything on a daily basis and you start to develop some muscle memory, uh, you're going to get good at it. It doesn't matter what it is. You mentioned uh, my my daily video blog. That was something was a conscious decision simply to get better on camera, to be more clear, to be more engaging. Um, And and where I got that idea from was from something called the 30-day challenge. I think uh, – I think, uh, Nikki, you and I have talked about this before, where um, uh, there were two comedians who were looking to get better at writing comedy, and so they challenged each other to write comedy for 30 minutes a day. And one guy quit after 30 days. The next guy continued for the next seven years. Well, the second guy's name was Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know who the other guy was.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, we have talked about this. It's a great story. Powerful message. It's a, great it's a very. story. It, it, yeah, and it's, and it's just the, the process of making that daily investment to develop that muscle memory. And so, for example, if I compare, you know, the videos that I'm doing today to the ones that I did, you know, five, six months ago when I started, there's a marked difference in quality. And, and it's really with anything, you know, if you're going to be doing real estate deals, if you're going to be doing whatever it is, just do a lot of it and, and work with people who are at the top of their game so that you learn from them because that's going to shave weeks or months or years off your timeline.
2: That's fantastic, Victor. Uh, You know, it reminds me of an experiment that was done with a couple control groups a while ago. There were two groups. They were both told to make pottery, uh, like some nice ceramic pottery. The first group was to be measured by how much pottery they made, i.e. by the weight of the pottery that they created. The second by the aesthetic beauty of it. So the first group had a bunch of people making pottery, uh, uh, ceramic pottery pieces after ceramic pottery pieces, one after another, as quickly as they could during the time frame they were given. And the second group, they just focused on making a single uh, piece of ceramic pottery. And here's what people found out: the f- people in the first group, the very last piece of pottery they made was aesthetically more beautiful than the single piece of pottery the other group made. And that's because they, they just kept at it. They did it over and over and over again, and they got good at it just through repetition and practice and consistency. That's what you're saying,
0: isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. I, you know The analogy that I sometimes use is to compare, um, I, I call it generational learning. So if you compare, for example, the genetic evolution of an ant with a turtle, the lifespan of an ant is much shorter than the lifespan of a turtle. So you're gonna go through many more iterations and many more generations of evolution with ants than you will with turtles. And so you wanna be the ant when it comes to something like this because it's with each generation, it's between generations that the changes take place. It's not during that one generation that the growth happens, it's in between. So you wanna get as many generations of learning in a given time period as possible. So Victor,
2: I know that you've been part of a a mastermind group that Michael and I run, and you've also done some work with me and you've done work with some other people that you and I both know. Talk a little bit about the importance of not doing it alone and the importance of having the right people around you, be it in peer groups or be be it with mentors and coaches.
0: Well, it's, it's really just saving, you know, weeks, months, or decades off of your timeline. You know, when you are in your own business, stuck in your office, doing your own thing, staring at your screen, you have the myopia of just your own environment. And and when you get out with people that have maybe achieved a certain level of success or significance uh, in their own right, they will bring a different perspective, so one that you simply can't see. And uh, so that's that's really where the savings comes. Uh, now, you don't want to just get advice from anybody. You want to get advice from people that really know their stuff. Uh, you know, one of my mentors you know, he has a, a net worth of $300 million. Another one of my mentors has a net worth of $500 million. And it's it's those types of people that I want to be learning from, because they're the ones who have done the hard work. They've failed a bunch of times. They've, you know, had some things go well, some things not. They've gone through that evolutionary journey. And, uh, you know, I cherish those relationships. They're like gold. Um, you know, I, I speak with them regularly, and it's it's. Uh, I even ask them questions where I think I know the answer, and I'm often surprised by the answer. It, it, it's remarkable.
2: That's amazing. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the peer groups that uh, you've participated in and been participating in. Why should someone listening to this podcast be in a peer group?
0: It just gives you that perspective. Um, you know, I've run masterminds, for example, where we met once a week for like four years. Uh, every Friday morning, about six or seven of us will get on a call together and start the call by sharing our wins for the past week. And then we would focus the bulk of each call on one person's problem that week and have the collective wisdom of everyone else on the call, the, the, the collective wisdom of the peer group, helping solve that person's one problem. When you get five, six, seven people working on solving your problem from different perspectives, from different experience and backgrounds, you're going to get a richness of input that you simply can't get on your own. And, and you know, if you do that on a sustained basis, and they and, and don't have to be working on your problem for you to learn something. You could be working on someone else's problem and see something that is a little bit similar to something you're struggling with and learn from solving someone else's problem, too. So it's, it's a very powerful process.
1: It is. It is. And, and, uh, Victor, you're, you're someone uh, who's done a lot of work with different industries and you've also been a- around different types of people and different experience mm-hmm. levels. And you've brought that now to your own business. And I'd like to know what you see as your biggest area of focus for your own development and, and building your business.
0: I think probably um, I'm going to, to some extent, preach here what I was um, something that's in my book, which is, you know, business at the end of the day is really done on the basis of relationship, and so I'm very focused on creating the quality of relationships that I need to take my business to the next level. You know, find a lot of people, myself included, uh, hit a plateau at a certain point. You, know, everybody does, and if you want to grow past that point you're going to need to add a three times or maybe a 10 times multiplier to your objectives. And when you do, uh, everything that you've done in the past or almost everything needs to be rethought, needs to be reexamined and, uh, and potentially scaled up. Maybe you've got the wrong people. Maybe you've got the wrong systems. Uh, maybe you have your own limitations that are preventing you from growing past that point. So every time I look to add a zero to my business, I'm having to rethink things. And, and I'm certainly at that point now, I feel like I'm perpetually in that phase because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very growth oriented. So, you know, the projects that I'm working on right now are, you know, 10 times bigger than the ones I was working on last year. Uh, and, and that's all good. Uh, so I'm focusing on the new relationships that I need to form to make those projects successful.
1: Excellent. And uh, I know you have trying all sorts of different ways to get your message out there. You've already talked about radio and podcasts that you've been in, like this podcast. What are some of the other ways you're going about building your audience?
0: Certainly the book, uh, I think, has been very successful for me. What I often find is people come across my book or they heard me speak at an event. I speak at a number of live events. Uh, around the country, around North America. Uh, And I do, you know, have training workshops on how to raise capital. I participate in other people's training workshops on how to raise capital. And often people will come up to me and they say, I heard you speak about this. And then they'll buy my book and they'll read my book and they say, wow, what you do is hard. Can I just give you my money and you invest for me? That's a very, very common outcome, which which I'm okay with, as long as there's a fit for, you know, the goals of our project and, and what they're looking to achieve. Uh, with their capital, you know we don't take anybody's money, that's for sure. But if there's that fit, we'll we'll definitely do it. So so just getting out there, building that credibility, when you know when I ask people to examine their own uh, investment objectives, they you know they do and 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 it's a process that we have to go through as well, you know when we're developing any new project. And when there's that alignment, they they know instantly. I had a guy in, uh, a week ago literally contact me through Facebook Messenger. And and in less than a week, he's he's making an investment in one of our projects. It's remarkable. Wow, less than a week. I love it. I love ready buyers and ready investors. Those are my favorite kind. And, and it was, I'm sure it wasn't even his intention. He 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 contacted me just to, you know, learn something from me. He said, "I heard you speak. I'm going to be in New York in a few months. Or are you going to be there as well?" That was that was the initial outreach.
2: We'll be right back with the rest of our interview with today's guest in just a moment. Welcome to another segment of our fabulous series, Strategies for Growing Your Business, featuring myself and Michael. So today's strategy is a strategy of preeminence.
1: Michael, what is the strategy of preeminence and why should you care? Essentially, being known as the forefront leader in your marketplace is where you need to be. I mean, if you look out into the market, whether you're a coach, a consultant, a speaker, a trainer, facilitator, heck, any entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. likely in your marketplace, you are identical to them. And so there is no differentiation. And so one of the areas that can be a very potent marketing tool is to be considered the preeminent leader in that space. That makes so much sense. My goodness. So
2: if you're known as the very best there is, more people are going to be interested in doing business with you. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Absolutely. And if more people are interested in doing business with you, you don't have to chase down, knock on cold, hard doors. Actually, all you got to do is open your door because people are going to know you're the best because that's what pursuing a strategy of preeminence is all about. Being known as the very best in your field. And they're going to come line up to want to do business with you. And what else is super cool about that is people who want to work with the best tend to be motivated people. Isn't that true, Michael?
1: They're motivated and they're they're not interested in price, they're interested in solving their problem at the best possible state that they can. And that's all about result, whether that result is more money, more free time, more success, whatever it is for your client, you wanna be the best at actually delivering on that. And if you're the best
2: and they're not price sensitive and they're interested in the result and you're known for delivering the result, they're going to probably be a lot easier to work with than some people that are chintzy on the money, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. And uh, you know, you, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not preeminent. And that sounds like a really challenging thing to do. And it's not like you're going to wake up one day and just be preeminent. This right. is a long play strategy that you put effort in, little bits of effort, Getting the word out, positioning, differentiation, a lot of different pieces that go into this, but it's what happens over time. And so if you don't actually think about it, you don't set that as an aim, guess what? That will never, ever happen for you. It's about making a choice and a decision to actually have that be the case for you in your market.
2: And how you become preeminent is really simple, right? You got to actually take the time to become amazing at this one problem that you solve. You've got to really deliver the goods. And you've also got to be amazing at what our good buddy Shep Hyken says is creating amazing customer experiences for your client, right? Because if you don't do that, then you can't be preeminent.
1: No, absolutely. And that's, that is the, the key to all of this is, number one, you, you need to know what you're going to be preeminent at. And I, I think that's one of the challenges that the listener and a lot of our clients face is they actually don't really know what it is they're truly great at. And that's a whole other conversation. But preeminence, choose right now to be it for yourself in your marketplace, and then you'll start to take the next steps. And of course, you can learn more about that by going and downloading our free report, the Authority Marketing Blueprint at authorityrocks.com. Absolutely. And you know what's great about this blueprint, Michael? It's
2: a one-pager. It's on a single page. And Winston Churchill said that any plan, any blueprint longer than a page is not... Worth your time. So we've put everything you need to know on a single page. It's simple to understand, simple to implement. It's absolutely free. Do yourself a favor and pick up your copy. Download it today. Now, we're back to today's interview with our guest. So, Victor, in addition to investing money in real estate projects, you actually have some thought leadership around helping people through being parts of uh, one-on-one coaching and masterminds that you run as well. Talk about how you repurposed some of your intellectual property into commercial programs like that.
0: Well, I guess the first thing I did is I I really, you know, like Michael said, I tried a number of different things and uh, many of them were good. And what I've done lately is I've discovered that I don't want to do good things, which sounds a little bit strange. But if I'm doing good things, I'm not doing great things. I'm not doing the best things. And and by focusing on the best things, that's really forced me to be much more selective and much more narrow in my definition of what I'll say yes to. So. You know, am I involved in masterminds today? Yes, but m- not nearly as many as in the past. I'm much, much more selective. Do I take consulting clients today? Yes, but I'm much more selective. Used to be, I would take almost anybody. And could I help them? Absolutely. But th- that doesn't mean it was the perfect fit for me or for them. Today, you know, if I, today, my ideal client is a real estate investor who has maybe a dozen units under, you know, that they own and they've hit a ceiling and they, they're stuck. They don't know how to grow past that point. Could I help a rookie investor? Of course I could, but that's not my ideal client. My ideal client is the one who's got a dozen, maybe 20 units. They're stuck and I can show them how to get from where they are to 500 or a thousand. That's what I'm really great at. And so I just focus on that specific segment.
2: And when you focus on that specific segment, you get yourself people who are willing to, you know, pay money to have you do some consulting or coaching work with them, people who have money to invest in projects that you're uh, involved in. It's a whole ecosystem that gets
0: created as a result of this, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I had a, a a client that I was working with in the past week who's doing some amazing projects. He's doing very well. But I gave him a few tweaks, a few of those, you know, what Tony Robbins calls the two millimeter tweaks, which you know, his analogy is two millimeters in a golf swing can, you know, put you on the green or off into the off into the woods, Uh, and it's very much the same thing. In his, in the case of my client, he was looking to invest invest equity partners' monies, but he was giving up way too much equity. I probably saved him, uh, just in the next few months, I probably saved him a few hundred thousand dollars at least. Uh, So my, you know, my, my, my fee, my consulting fee is, is insignificant by comparison. You should take a percentage of how much money you saved them, Victor, and then you'd make more.
2: (laughs) No, that, that, that's absolutely fantastic. So Victor, our mutual friend, Raymond Aaron asks each of his guests when he wraps up the show, what are your three expert action steps that you recommend our listener undertake to apply to their life and or
0: their business immediately. So what are yours? Number one, I would say when I when I look at what people are often planning, they often plan to the middle. They don't plan to the finish. And when you do that, you don't allocate enough time. You don't allocate enough money. You don't build a big enough team. You don't get enough of anything that you need to get to the finish line. So, But when you actually plan to the finish, then you have a shot at being successful. Otherwise, you find yourself in this no man's land part way in and you don't have the resources that you need. That's probably number one. Number two, add a zero to your thinking when you do. And, I, and I, by that, I don't mean just have bigger dreams. You have to go through the process of saying, if I'm going to if I've got 10 units in a multifamily building today and I want to go to 100 units, well, what do I need to achieve 100 units, I need a bigger staff. I need more capital. I need greater borrower strength. I need—you know—go on down the list, and then go attack those deficiencies, because that's the only way that you're going to get there. Um, and but if you're only aiming to go from 10 to 12, you're not going to—you're not going to move the needle. You really have to add a zero and put some process and some structured thinking into how you're going to get to that next level. So that that would be number two. And number three? Lastly, I would say don't force it. Um, you know, one of the things I see a lot of people do when they are maybe new at raising capital or maybe even new in business is they really try to sell people. And in today's environment, there is so much out there that's simply not authentic. Nobody wants to be sold. Um, I, I, the analogy that I use, it's a little bit like a pair of shoes. You know, if you if you go to the store and you find a pair of shoes and the, and actually it happened to me in the last week. I went to a shoe store in Las Vegas and I found a few beautiful pair of shoes and they were on sale, but they didn't fit. And so if they don't fit, you're not a buyer. It Doesn't matter how lovely they are or how deeply discounted they are. And it's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in raising capital. If you don't have that ideal fit where it really feels natural, same thing with hiring. If if there's some element of your hiring that feels forced, don't do it. It's not going to work out. So uh, don't force it. Really focus on getting that perfect fit. Because then when you do, that's when you get a real multiplier.
2: Those are three awesome expert action steps, man. You're getting good at this. I mean, you must have been doing a lot of podcasts and radio interviews lately, haven't you, Victor? (laughs) A few, a few. That's amazing, man. So, Victor, what do you want to let our listener know about what do they
0: need to consume that you have available for them right now i would encourage people to buy my book and i know it sounds a little bit self-serving but when people have read my book they say oh it is so clear now i know what i've been doing wrong all this time Uh, so go get magnetic capital you can download it uh, you can you can purchase it directly from my website at victorjm.com uh it's it's not expensive you'll get a lot out of it uh, so I would definitely say uh, buy the book. Uh, number two, focus on goal setting, and I hold a goal setting retreat every year. Uh, this year it's going to be a a, a week long retreat on the Mexican Riviera. We're going to spend two and a half full days of mean really heavy heavy work planning out the next year. And and when you do that, when you spend that quality time planning all the different aspects of your life. And and you might say, well, how is it going to take two and a half days to to plan out a year when really you should only come up with maybe six or eight goals for the year? That seems like a lot of time. But when you do, get very clear on what you're going to say yes to, what you're going to focus on, what you're going to prioritize, and all the other stuff that you'll say no to. And it's with that clarity that you that you really achieve the success that you're
2: after. Awesome two fantastic things. Well, we'll make sure that we leave a link to purchasing your book in uh, our show notes. uh, And we will uh, make sure that we put a link towards your annual goals retreat in the show notes as well. Victor, this is an amazing, amazing thing that you just did today. You are an awesome guest, clear, concise, precise. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being uh, one of my
0: top clients. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nikki. It's been a lot of fun.
1: It's been great, Victor. Take
0: care. Thanks. Bye for now.
2: Michael,
1: Victor Minash. He's great. And listen, his inner circle, he didn't mention it, but I'm sure if you go to his website and you sign up to be on his list, I get his emails every day. It's the inner circle with him. He does that one minute YouTube video. Very... Excellent content. I mean, it's content. It's not just about real estate investing. It's about business. It's about what you think. It's a mindset. He is a true thought leader.
2: He really is. And, you know, he follows this strategy of preeminence better than practically anybody I know. He has incredible connections and relationships. You know, people like uh, George Ross uh, from uh, The Apprentice TV show. Who also helped, you know, Donald Trump make all that money in real estate, people like Sir Richard Branson, people like Raymond Aaron, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen. I mean, if you take a look at the photos this man has with the with the incredible business and thought leaders he's hung out with, it just blows you away.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. He's he's positioned himself excellently. He's a great case study for anybody that's interested in being preeminent in their marketplace. Go and have a look at what Victor has done and how he's doing it. And it's just, really, I think he's just beginning. It's just the beginning of uh, the, the vision that he's created for himself.
2: And he's a member of uh, of our Inner Circle Mastermind, so you know, we couldn't be more proud to be a part of his success.
1: Absolutely. Well, that wraps another episode of the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. To learn more about today's guest and to get all sorts of free business building resources, you can go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.